0: Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak.
1: You never listen.
0: It's The Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on The Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 92. Brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. 8-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow his work at TheDraftNetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother?
1: Every day is a good day to be alive, Mike. You know this, all the good stuff. It's three days out. I'm having a very it's a very interesting week for me. It's holy week for me. And so there's a ton of church going on. It's a time I'm supposed to be quiet and like very prayerful. And then also the NFL draft is on Thursday and Avengers (laughs) on Friday. I have like midterms also next week as well. And so if I make it through this week, I will never die. This is this is if this will be the most ridiculous week of all weeks. And then it's all uphill from here.
0: We're so close to being done with prognosticating and predicting what this NFL draft is going to look like. And as we ramp up towards that, Ben, we're recording this on a Monday. This is released on a Tuesday morning. We're a couple agonizingly long days away from the 2019 NFL draft. We're going to hit a range of topics today as we frantically try to tie up loose ends and we'll hit on any topics we feel we didn't give their proper due throughout the process here. Let's start with some Official visit updates, and this will be our last round. Rashawn Gary, defensive lineman, Michigan, is an official visit. woo We've talked about him before. We are not the biggest fans of selecting unfulfilled potential high in the draft. Dexter Lawrence, defensive tackle, Clemson, is an official visit. Woo-hoo-hoo! Ben and I do not like the fact that he's commonly mocked to the Eagles at 25. He's 68th on Ben's big board. He's 56th on mine. Maybe he's a second-round target. I'd feel better about that. And finally... Wide receiver Deontay Johnson from Toledo is an official visit. Johnson doesn't really fit the types of profiles the Eagles have brought in for official visits. No, no, not really. Like when I looked at the different production profiles, I put this up on bleedinggreennation.com, but the production profiles mixed with the slot production. So some of the analytics don't necessarily line up, even though I think he can play on the outside and – A lot of the outside guys they brought in had a lot of reps from the slot outside of uh, Nikhil Harry. So there's that mix on it. But he's a productive player. It is noteworthy, though. That 20% of the Eagles' visits have been wide receiver. It's been gaining some steam as a possible pick at 25. Notably, Peter King and Daniel Jeremiah have made a connection with Marquise Hollywood-Brown from Oklahoma. Again, I wrote this up for BleedingGreenNation.com, making the argument that the Eagles could go a few different ways in terms of the role Brown or the others they have brought in if they draft them could play. And I think it all comes down to the current role the slot role currently occupied by Nelson Aguilar. Whether that role gets filled by drafting a big body and giving Deshaun and others more slot reps, that's one way. The other way being drafting a guy like Brown and giving him more free releases from the slot. And I've gone over his slot production before, but I think it's pretty crazy that Brown only had 85 snaps from that alignment. Now you have to consider the Oklahoma offense. 21 is basically their base personnel. They run a lot of sets where they don't have three wide receivers, but a healthy chunk of Brown's production came from the slot, including his 8 of 10 touchdowns. And also from that alignment, he had an absolutely absurd yeah. 7.45 yards per route run. That's cuckoo bonkers, man. That's top in the class. There's nobody within 2.2 yards of that, Ben.
1: Not a like yards per attempt. You have to like Every time he was running a route <laughs> out of the slot, 7.75 yards were picked up by the offense. It's, just, you know, it's crazy.
0: 7.45, yeah.
1: Now, I will say... A couple things about the the slot receiver position, and 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 as we know, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, whatever it was, uh, the slot position was where you put your smaller, shifty receivers, and then your you know your, your outside boundary receivers. Well, that's where you were putting your your, your bigger guys, your guys who were winning contested catch situations, and they were winning down the field. And your slot right receivers, they were the players who were they were you know staying in the short areas, and they were the quick separators, so on and so forth. Is that still the case in today's NFL? Well, my argument would be no. What is the value of lining up in the slot. In the slot, you get the two-way go, right? This is what we always talk about. In the slot, you get the two-way go. Instead of getting, you know, uh, when you're on a boundary receiver, you're up against the sideline, so you're unlikely to break to the sideline. And if you do, those routes will always just be you know comebacks quick outs like it's not gonna be a ton of complex stuff so so the slot is where you really get that Mm. two-way go and so your guys who are better in vertical play you guys are better in the vertical third with deep long speed they go outside and the guys who can maximize that two-way go with route running with physicality or with quickness whatever it is then play in the slot for philadelphia's offense specifically if you're going to play in the slot for them number one you're gonna have to block you know you're gonna have to come into the line you're gonna Mm. have to be able to move in as an h-back you're gonna have to be able to crack back block something that actually does well number two you're going to have to be able to hit like you know the three-step five-step RPO game and be able to hit slants be able to hit curls hit quick outs because that's where a ton of that stuff's going to be run the bang eight down pretty much those quick in breakers those are going to be uh, a heavy part of your responsibility and then besides that, it's deep overs. So it's not sure. even like like again like you the Eagles are not running a high number of whip routes. They're not running pivot routes. They're not running a lot of option routes. It's not a huge part of their offense. Well, you re- and, and and they they do have those things. I don't want to reduce those, but more so than a lot of other more traditional West Coast offenses, the Eagles will, are not asking their slot to do a ton of complex multi break route running stuff. And, and, and what you've seen with Aguilar, at least in the slot, is a lot of deep over stuff. And so to me. You know, when we talk about the Eagles want to get themselves a slot receiver, it's cool because they can go a couple different ways with it. Like they can bring in the Hollywood Browns, bring in the Deontay Johnson, who's also like more of a speedster guy. Deontay Johnson has a ton of returning uh, experience as well. And so he's a guy who who obviously is very elusive. He's great with the ball in his hands. But then they also bring in the Nikhil Harris and the AJ Browns, and they can go with the big slot mold. And it's important to note that a lot of slot reps in this offense are taken by the tight ends. And if the tight ends are big slots. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's, that, you're not shifty, quick release, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. That's not how they win. They're even leverage in size on those quick routes. And then obviously up the seam. And so slot receiver brings to mind small, shifty, great route runner, short areas. The Eagles have a good, healthy amount of that in their slot receivers, but it's not the whole kit and caboodle. They have a lot more three level work from their slot receivers. And then also the blocking aspect then uh, your, your traditional thought of the slot receivers, that's important to remember when they're looking to address the position in the draft.
0: What's interesting, Ben, is I went through and I took out all the slot reps because if, if they draft a guy, you could say that Nelson Aguilar is probably going to be on the move. It makes a, a ton of sense to me. So if they do draft a guy now, – now understand too – the Eagles have often said that wide receiver is one of the harder positions to develop and takes the most time. So he might not necessarily be on the move. However, if they do spend high draft capital on it. We'll see how that goes. But if you take out Aguilar snaps, you take out Tate snaps, you take out Jordan Matthews snaps, Kamar Aiken, you know, those different guys, there are 610 slot reps left to be filled by someone. In my opinion, if they draft a bigger guy, I think a lot of those go to Deshaun Jackson. If they draft a smaller guy, like a Marquise Brown, I think he gets a lot more slot reps than he did in college for the reasons I explained earlier. Now, taking a look at what you wrote up for the draftnetwork.com, you wrote a piece about three Nelson Aguilar replacements for the Eagles. You went early, middle, and late. And uh, The first one, of course, I absolutely love early, Devo Samuel from South Carolina. He's a very, very good player, a top 40 player on my board, right up there with wide receiver two, wide receiver three, him and Kelvin Harmon basically hugging. So that would be a great fit for me. And what I like about Samuel is the inside-outside versatility that he gives you, which is going to be a great thing for him. In the middle rounds, you have Emmanuel Hall, one of the guys who ran in the four threes from Missouri. In fact, you said that he reminds you a lot of Aguilar, and we can dig into that in a second. But first, I'll mention the one that you had in the late rounds, Dylan Mitchell from Oregon, wide receiver who we really haven't talked about much, probably more of an underneath guy. Not necessarily the deep threat that you want, but I like what he does on the underneath routes. Ben, those three. Yeah, so I,
1: I, one of my stronger gifts of recent memory, Michael, was when you shared the the Hollywood Brown Roto, or excuse me, the Devo Samuel Roto World blurb where it said, listen, he's not going to make it past 58. And it was like, well, 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 guess who has pick 57, right? And I said, listen, if they miss out on Hollywood at 25. Like if they can't take Hollywood at 25 and they end up getting Debo instead at 57. And that is a great gif of Tiger Woods, like very suspensefully watching something off screen. And then he very slowly goes into a fist bump. And that's what it is. And they miss on Hollywood to luck into yeah. Debo and fall backwards into that. Like that makes me very happy. You know, uh, <laughs> Hollywood's running in the four threes. Debo's running into the four fours. How much of a difference is it? Yeah, you know, don't really know. And I think Debo ran like 4.49, so he's like high 4.4s. Four, but either way.
0: That's also about 60, 70 pounds heavier, too. Yeah. Hollywood's checking in at 166, Young man is, is, a,
1: is a full-on thick boy, Debo Samuel. <laughs> Well-built young fella. Uh, but what we, what we have is is, yeah. is a player who's who's a more consummate three-level threat, who is better in the intermediate areas because of his ability to catch through contact, because of his ability to play through contact. In uh, those contested situations, Debo is surprisingly strong for a player of his height and then, obviously, again, returning experience and great with the ball in his hands. It's interesting. Samuel is much more so the Aguilar role than he is the Aguilar type. Like, Aguilar is, like, very loose, and he's long, and he's a bit leaner, right? Samuel is, is thick, and he's shorter. He's more compact. He's a little bit more explosive. Um, But but their role, being able to play slot and outside, being able to create with the ball in their hands to the point where they're worthy of gadget touches, and to be that intermediate guy who can win with route running, that's Debo. Emmanuel Hall, yeah, for a long time, watching Hall reminds me of Aguilar because what jumps out to you from Aguilar tape at USC is just how freely this guy moves, right? Whenever you're watching a player and he makes it look like the other guys are moving at an 80% speed, right? Like that's like a fluid player, just really easy natural movements. And that's Hall. I mean, Hall is super loose. Just, just there's no angle he can't take. There's no cut he can't make. And his jumps and, and his 40-yard time obviously is very fun, but his jumps in it, it reflected that. A really explosive player. Great flexibility. Hall's got drops issues in, in in the big way, in the bad way, in the yeah. you have seven, maybe six fingers sort of way. Like it's just not great in terms of his catch technique, how he addresses the football and his comfort doing so. Similar issue with Dylan Mitchell, the Oregon kid. Well, with Mitchell, the problem is that he sees the ball late, so you'll be watching him track a ball down the field, and it's clear the defensive back will find it before him, adjust to it before him, and it puts Mitchell outside of position. That being said, Mitchell's a route runner, and as, as an athlete, really, really exciting. Again, a ball-in-his-hand sort of player, just get the guy touches short and let him pick up more yardage for you. Easy touches, easy yardage. That's where Mitchell's going to be successful, and so... Debo fits the role the best, Hall fits the archetype the best, and then Mitchell is is a similar mold of Aguilar in terms of of the build, in terms of the physical ability. He's definitely a day three guy. You know, I I think if Mitchell comes in, I'm not sure he's wide receiver three over Matt Collins right away. You know what I mean? So he's like a late option. But Debo and Hall both very much interest me as potential like round two, round three, and then if you can get Hall in round four, that's huge. But round two, round three guys uh, that would be replacing Aguilar in terms of, of his role in the offense, how he's deployed, I will say, you know, you you brought up if they draft this guy, who gets more slot reps? I would love to see Alshon get more slot reps, which is something we talked about in the in the beginning of the season. He actually the first two weeks of his availability, week four and week five against the Titans in week four and the Vikings in week five, Jeffrey actually took a combined thirty three snaps out of the slot for the remaining sixteen or the remaining fifteen games that he played. He then subsequently took seventy five snaps combined, so like a third of his snaps at the slot came in those first two games, and then after that, you know, he kind of had to see, saw his numbers drop. I'd love to see him move back into the slot because I think his 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 size and his quick ability to separate on those short routes makes a lot of sense there.
0: Slot by committee. Hey, what do you think of this comp? I just thought of this, and I, I can't believe I haven't thought of it before because it's a player I really liked in last year's NFL draft class. If I were to comp Debo Samuel to DJ, DJ Moore. Moore
1: yeah <laughs> no, right and now when out more had i think more like true running back sort of like when you got the guy the ball behind the line of scrimmage it was like shoot this kid can move yeah um and so he was a bit more of like a gadgety sort of a guy i think debo's a better route runner better natural catcher better job addressing coverage right. et, cetera, et cetera. but from a body type perspective yeah we have like 5'11 210 guys playing wide receiver and they're both deadly in space so yeah no for sure that that's that's a uh That's a comp that I've seen before. It makes a lot of sense.
0: Uh, Ben, anything else to say about this wide receiver class? The possibility.
1: Let's talk about Hollywood at 25. Let's talk about what that means.
0: Yeah, let's do that because that's interesting to me. Tony Pauline, by the way, is saying that he doesn't believe that Marquise Brown will even be there. So if the Eagles did want to target him, it might not even be at 25. It might have to be a trade up, which is super fascinating to me and not necessarily my cup of tea. Ben, what do you think?
1: Very interesting. A few things. Number one. I officially no longer think DK Metcalf is the first wide receiver off the board because... Ooh. where I mean, I'll put it to you this way. What, what teams are picking a wide receiver?
0: Baltimore, Seattle, like right in that 21-22 range, right. you can definitely see one going.
1: Seattle interests me. Baltimore hasn't had a traditional X receiver. I can't... You know what I mean? Like, since when? <laughs> right. Because yeah. like I, If we're calling Michael Crabtree a traditional ex, cool. I'd call him a bad ex, but that's just me. Well, what
0: about the fact that they're pr- basically moving to the flex bone offense and they're going to need their Calvin Johnson on the outside? Not calling DK Metcalf Calvin Johnson. Nobody put that on me. I'm just saying big body that can go get 50-50 balls and go.
1: All I heard was <laughs> DK Metcalf, <laughs> ma, 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 Calvin Johnson. <laughs> ma, ma, ma. Um, no, I mean, like, listen, I'd love to convince myself that Greg Roman and Mitch Morniwag are going to do that. I'll believe right. it when I see it you know what i mean like to (laughs) me i think they're gonna draft paris campbell they're gonna put lamar paris campbell alex collins all in the same backfield and be like let's get in freaky in the t-bone but (laughs) like i know washington doesn't like dk i don't think the packers are going to be willing to spend 12 on dk i don't think buffalo uh, the giants aren't going to draft a wide receiver i don't think buffalo is going to take a wide receiver in this class over a defensive player which they desperately need like it's just tough to find his spot meanwhile we keep hearing so much buzz about three guys hollywood Paris Campbell and, Hakeem, and not Hakeem Butler. Um, Hollywood, Paris Campbell, and A.J. Brown as guys who potentially could surprise people getting into round one or in that area. I think we get two wide receivers in the first round. I think maybe one of them is DK, but I'm not sold. It's the first one. He's the first one the way I was like a month ago. Yeah. Number one, Hollywood, yes, absolutely could be gone. I 100% can see the, the Redskins just taking Hollywood Brown. Makes a ton of sense to me. Baltimore, absolutely makes a ton of sense to me. If Hollywood gets there and the Eagles select him, I think Carson Wentz throws the ball next season six hundred and fifty times. Because here's, here's my thing: if you're going to draft Dallas Goddard at forty-nine overall last year, when you have Zach Ertz in the building, acquire Deshaun Jackson in free agent and via trade, only to come back and take Marquise Brown, even if you're losing right. Nelson Aguilar, right? Even if you're losing him, you have yeah. Deshaun, Alshon, and Marquise as your three wide receivers, which. All of those guys are great in the 20-plus yard bin in terms of pass attempts. Like, throwing down the field, all three of those guys are incredibly strong players. And now you have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard who can be your underneath guys. Like, they can be your stick movers. You don't have to get a—like, you have no possession receiver between Alshon, Deshaun, and Marquise, and that's fine because you have Ertz and Goddard. They can be your possession guys, no problem. And then what that allows you to do is that allows you to run your quick game and your running game, like, concurrently. At the same time, in the hurry up, right? Because you can run your quick passing game, like your spread and shred, you can run out of 12 personnel and go four wide and just run your quick game out of Ertz and Goddard and then come with the next snap, hurry up and be in like a heavy 12 personnel and run the football. You know what I'm saying? Like when I just look at the way talent acquisition has gone, there's no reason to be reneging on Goddard. So if you're adding another wide receiver after you already added Deshaun, there's no way you're like, listen, we're going to ease Carson back, and we're going to establish the run. No! Okay, Firstly, don't draft a running back. Get rid of all the running backs. Don't keep any on the roster. It's pointless. <laughs> Throw the ball 650 times. If they draft right. a round-wide one receiver at all, it's very clearly indicating that this team is just going to want to... Their their running game is going to be the quick game, and their passing game is going to be 20-plus yards down the field, and they're going to go bananas, number one. And number two, especially if it's Hollywood, it, to me indicates that they're, that Zachary and Dallas Goddard are going to get 100 targets each all of them six yards or less, and everybody else (laughs) is just getting 30-plus-yard targets. I think that's how I would design that offense.
0: I mean, I, I put these questions in the article that I wrote up about the interest in the wide receiver position. The questions that a defense would have to ask themselves if the Eagles did in fact draft someone like Marquise Brown or another big body. Some of those questions include, how do we deploy our defense with Jackson outside and Brown inside? How do we defend both Jackson and Brown in the slot when they're just stretching the seams like crazy persons? Does Jackson kicking inside reduce the amount of resources we could use to stop the big boys outside? Do we have enough cover men on our roster that can match up with that many big weapons? Do we have anybody on our right. roster that can run with Marquise Brown, Deshaun Jackson? I mean, the questions go on and on. And then yeah. can you bracket Zach Ertz? Like, what right, do you right. do? Right,
1: right. Yeah, exactly. So we're, like, currently talking about a fit <laughs> that doesn't exist, right? Because, like, the, 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 like, Brown has not been selected yet. So this conversation right. might be null and void by Thursday. But what's exciting is exactly if you – if you sit down and you say, okay, they have Deshaun Jackson on one side of the football and Marquise Brown on the other, who here wants to play middle of the field closed coverage? Nobody does, <laughs> no right? Because there's one sa- there's one safety in the league who I would trust to do that, and it's Earl Thomas, and he's coming off injury. You don't want to go middle of the field closed.
0: And if you do, Deshaun Jackson, I believe, led the league in average cushion because teams would play single high and then have to cover Deshaun, and they would play him seven yards off
1: right 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 and so okay so we're looking at potentially then a deep safety two corners eight off the ball eight yards off the ball then eight in the box <laughs> ask any eagles fan how that's gone for jim schwartz over the last two years because it sucks <laughs> right But like the, you you hate you you, you might have hated double moves then but if that's how teams are going to play this offense, you're gonna love double moves real freaking quick but yeah. to me, then you have to go middle of the field open. You have to go two deep safeties. You can try to match quarters if you want, but you're leaving your sa- your corner still in an island. If one goes vertical, the corner has to take him. So you need guys who can run for threes because you have Deshaun and you have Marquise.
0: And the Eagles are pretty good at dialing up quarters busters. Right. They've shown a, a propensity for that last and year. And
1: so, okay, so we're going middle of the field open. We don't want to go quarters. So we have to go cover two with two deep safeties. That way we have a deep safety over Marquise Brown. We have a deep <laughs> safety over Deshaun Jackson. There's seven in the box and a linebacker has to cover Zach Ertz. Like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, if you yeah. play, if you force a team into cover two, Zach Ertz is gonna have every game 12 receptions, 84 yards, mm-hmm. a touchdown, and the fantasy community is gonna lose their minds. Right? Like, it's like he's gonna be the highest volume player in the history of the league. They're, they're not ashamed <laughs> of just feeding him when he gets a linebacker. That's what yeah. they've done for years. So, like, I I'll be worried about the Marquise Brown fit because obviously he's got the He's got the high floor because of the speed. There's a lot that I think to worry about. But if you can establish him as a deep threat in that offense, it becomes very, very difficult to run man coverage or single high safety against the Eagles, which means teams have to go light in the box. And once you get teams light in the box, you can impose your will on them.
0: So that is the case for Marquise Brown, a player that me and Ben aren't really high on, but then making the case for how he can fit this offense and the challenges it will present a defense. We'll see how this unfolds on draft day when we come back here on the Kiston Solak Show, episode 92 on Bleeding Green Nation. We're going to talk about a potential falling edge that might interest the Eagles and then whatever we get into as sidebars. That's here next on the Kiston Solak
2: Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge...
0: We are back on the Kiss and Soul Act Show, episode 92, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, one of the more interesting stories heading in to this NFL draft is a player that, after the combine, boosted his stock to the point where he could have been a top five, top ten selection, but now an enlarged heart, reportedly, is hurting his stock. He is Montez Sweat, the edge rusher from Mississippi State, It would be interesting to see because some teams I've heard and Dane Brugler has put this out there and I've seen others say say it as well. Some teams have taken him off their board. Other teams say it's fine. They just have to take extra precautions. So, Ben, what are the chances that Montez Sweat starts to slide right into the Eagles range? And then maybe we can talk about some other players that we're kind of looking at if they start to slide during draft day that the Eagles might trade up for? Because I think I I honestly think a trade up is very possible rather than sitting either trade up or trade back. Mm -hmm. I doubt that they sit there or prefer to sit there. But trading up for Montez Sweat, is that a
1: possibility? Let me, and this is interesting, we'll talk about the trade up, trade down thing in a second because I have a game for you that you don't know about. Okay. Remind me, because I might be misremembering this. I want your help. Last year, Maurice Hurst, Michigan defensive tackle, goes into the combine, Mm -hmm. enlarged heart. In my memory of that process, of that narrative, we very quickly heard, like in March, heard, like, all right, he's going to fall down teams' boards because of his heart. I don't understand why it took us so long to hear that Montez Sweat is falling down boards. I'm confused.
0: Okay, with Hurst, it was right away, and mostly because he wasn't allowed to participate in the drills. The combine Uh... cleared Montez Sweat to participate in the drills, so that was more immediate. But if they cleared him, then I don't think he sees the same type of fall as Hurst. Now, again, this time of year, it is smoke season. Teams could be saying he's off our board. We started to hear about Leighton Vanderesh late into the process that he had a neck issue and he still got drafted pretty early in the first round so you don't know what to believe when it comes to this
1: as we always say it takes one and only one right Right. and that's why using and this is so dumb using the nfl (laughs) draft results to support as evidence nfl draft narratives it actually doesn't make any sense because it's literally one iteration like people who complain about mock draft simulators in the same breath, go, well, in the 2016 NFL draft, Like you literally just complained about the exact same thing in my head because yeah. Terrell Edmonds went top 21. Like, we're, we just, like, the stupidest things yeah. happen that, that are bad that process, example. objectively. And so, like, Montez Sweat going round one doesn't mean every team out of the round one grade, you know, and, and whatever that is. It only takes one, and I expect there to be multiple. Like, I've heard he might fall out of the first round. I don't expect that because there are teams who for sweat, it's just a uh, a monitoring thing. It's just you have to make sure you're, you're checking up on his heart to make sure that the situation doesn't get any worse and then address it accordingly. But there's no reason to expect it to get any worse, so it just needs to be monitored. It's not like it needs to be treated.
0: They already have the devices in place to monitor it. They just have to do some extra things to make sure that it's closer to sweat at all times. From what I've understood, from what I've read about it, they've already got these systems in place for the most part.
1: Right, and so, so it's elite athlete, elite SEC production, great tape, potential... F- round one pick i struggle to believe for how desperately the league wants starting edges that this guy gets out of round one teens is where i would expect him if he's around in philadelphia's circle if he's around in philadelphia's you know just just like if anywhere in striking distance whatever range they set for potential trade-up yeah i'm down absolutely i'm down are you kidding me i i wish nothing but health for montez sweat i wish nothing but the best for him but i all I need, I need him for 2019. You know what I mean? Like, like the Eagles are yeah. gearing for a Super Bowl run this year. Very clear from the roster building. If he's right. healthy for one year, great. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, like. He's an immediate contributor. Right, exactly. That and that's what the Eagles desperately need at 25 slash in the first round is immediate contributor at a high impact position. That's what they haven't really gotten out of early draft picks recently. Obviously, no round one pick last year. Dallas Goddard, backup, is a bit of a contributor. Derek Barnett, six sacks, you know, falls off the side. They haven't really got like a rookie who's really like come in and like just solidify and like taking over a starting role like Maddox yeah. Douglas Sam Malu, it's all been like overtime in certain situations situationally which is usually the sign of a very good roster and that's what the Eagles have but it'd be great to get an immediate contributor at a high impact position to me I mean like Montez sweat I could justify picking him as early as five and so if he's around at 17 18 let's do it you know what I mean like they to me I expect Philadelphia to be one of the teams that's fine with Sweat, and I expect them to be absolutely interested in going to go get him if he circles in a range.
0: So I was doing research on what it would take to trade up and what it looks like for the Eagles. I think there was a trade last year that was very similar to this. But if the Eagles wanted to get to 22 or 21, that cost recently has been a third round selection somewhere in the 90s. So it'd have to be some moving around and whatnot. Maybe they go a little bit higher than that. But some players that I would argue the Eagles would be looking for if they start to fall. I mean, for me personally, I don't know if the Eagles would do this, but for me, Jonah Williams, Javon Taylor, Cody Ford. Like if any of those guys start to start to fall into the teens I am getting on the phones. You're talking about Brian Burns. I'm seeing him mocked into the late teens. That's someone I'm extremely interested in for the Eagles as well.
1: Listen, I haven't like Yo. Brian Burns is a player like I have not even thought of making to the Eagles because number one, I think it should me go too so early and number two i can't get yep. that excited i can't do that to myself <laughs> and then not get it like it's just be i need to I, I need that to just happen on the day of so i don't get right. my hopes up
0: i would be ecstatic because he's number three on my board what is he number four for you overall yeah he's four
1: i mean he's yeah yeah he's everything
0: he's a very good player can you imagine because i saw some mocks i mean daniel jeremiah you look at the other nfl.com mocks and you look around and he's fallen to like 16 he's fallen to 19 and i'm thinking if he's there at 18 Man, go be aggressive. Go make a play. Go get yourself an elite edge rusher with double sack potential. I am about it. Obviously, Ed Oliver, uh, the person that we talked about, maybe even having to trade up for Christian Wilkins because a lot of people think he won't be there at 25 anymore. So there are a lot of different possibilities. That's why I think a trade up is very likely. The cost is fairly cheap. What A th- a, a mid to late third round pick to move up from 25 to, around the, to, to the early 20s, possibly even 20. Obviously, you have to have a dance partner. Other teams can't jump in front of you and take your guy, but those players uh, are much more enticing to me if who I'm thinking is going to be there, the the dearth there at 25 is what it is, unless we're cool with sitting and, you know, drafting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I'm totally fine with that, but I also don't mind being a little aggressive, spending some capital to move up and get a guy. Ben, any other thoughts on the possibility of a trade-up, a trade-down? What do you think is more likely? Do we sit here? man? if they trade down again for the second year in a row i will be sad for the downloads won't
1: even them. mind at all because i'm not on the show for day one <laughs> for tdn so no eagles picks on yeah. day one would be fine by me uh yes i do so firstly on brian burns nothing it's just like it's very funny because every detractor for brian burns talks about his run defense which like i just don't care like if you're really good at rushing the passer i'll put you on the field at the end like Somebody asked me once on Twitter, they were like, aren't you worried that when Brian Burns is on the field, teams will just automatically call power to that side and put a polar his direction and run traps his way and run split zone his way. And I was like, if you're telling me I can take a player and put him on the field and I'll immediately know the play call and the play side, (laughs) it's the best player in the league. Right? If I'll you're in. telling me I'm a person and, and with 60% accuracy, I know it's a run front <laughs> side, I win. Yeah. I win the football game. Yeah. <laughs> this is ideal. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need him to do Jack. I know where the play's going. <laughs> but on, uh, right, like people talk about his run defense. I don't know a defensive line or defensive coordinator in the league who cares less about his run defense for his front four than Jim Schwartz. I mean, the, 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 the defense tackles do a little bit, the edges don't. Like yeah. it's Brandon Graham pursuit plays. Or we're just pass rushing. Yeah, you know, like it's not. Did
0: you watch Vinny Curry in defense? Did they care? Nope.
1: No, exactly. It's like 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 he does. It won't affect the eval at all. But I have if uh, if then or not if then. So I have and ors. I have two options for you in terms of what the Eagles ended up doing on draft night, and I want you to pick between the two. And they they include trade mm-hmm. up and trade downs, and then give me a little little blurb as to why. You ready? Okay. First Let's up, go. they select DK Metcalf at 18th overall at the cost of trading away a third or select Hollywood Brown at 25. Oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. That's a spicy one. That's a spicy meatball. You know, DK is my 14th overall player if I'm not mistaken. Marquise Brown is right around the 50s, might be 51, 52 if I add in quarterbacks for that value for that big of a spread on my board. And understanding the fit that we already talked about, man, I'm going to go I'm going to go and trade up for DK. I'm gonna go and trade it for DK. You get the speed that you got from Marquise. And that's a big
1: thing that people forget. 80 pounds heavier. Right. It's like, <laughs> oh, like like the, the the Ravens are gonna draft, like you know, I, I talked about no medcap to the Ravens, but it's something you see like the Ravens aren't gonna take Metcalf because they need a speed receiver. Honey, I have news for you. <laughs> big man can scoop. You ran a four three three, big man can scoop. All right. Um <laughs> the Eagles hang tight at twenty-five, just like Cleveland Furl, or they move back. Into the top of the second round, recouping a fourth, and select Chase Winovich out of Michigan.
0: I think that's a little high for Winovich for me. I like getting the fourth back, but what's your hit rate on a fourth rounder? You probably package that up with some of the fourths, get back into the third, which is enticing. But just it's taking that you know static where it is, your hit rate's about 10%. Cleveland Farrow is a guy I feel much better about, especially immediately contributing really polished hands. I like him. I think I like him a good deal more than you do. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Cleveland Farrell. I'll take Farrell.
1: Where do you have? There's a big enough gap there for Farrell. Where do you have Farrell?
0: Where, where do I have Farrell? That's a good question. Not higher
1: than I high. do. I got like top 16. I want to say.
0: Oh, he's at 23 for me with quarterbacks included. 22 without quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's honestly like 25 is a great spot for him, and I think it's a bit of a reach for Winovich at that spot based on my board because I have him 46th overall.
1: Yeah, I have Cleveland Farrell 16, which I remembered that perfectly. But yeah, I'm 16. Great player.
0: I mean, you're talking about a really good edge rusher. You can definitely sell me on him in the teens too. So, so yeah,
1: wait, I, do you have like do you have uh, Christian Wilkins above Cleveland Furl?
0: Yeah, I got. I told you, I got Christian Wilkins at thirteen. We did that on the, you whole, the, the whole
1: little heretic.
0: We did that on the whole uh, SBN Nation yeah. writers' mock thing. I made the case for Furl and everything. I told you he's my 13th. No, 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 no. Like yeah, that's. I just did thermal.
1: the math because I learned where Furl was on your board, and having Furl below Wilkins is. <laughs>
0: Well, that's crazy math because 13 typically is higher than 23. I just
1: learned where Ferrell was on your board, (laughs) sir.
0: (laughs) You saw the board during our big board fight. We're just plugging shows now.
1: Christian Wilkins at 21 uh, 21 overall, so you traded away a fourth to get up to Seattle's pick. Or Jonah Williams at 21 overall, trading a fourth to go up to Seattle's pick.
0: Oh, Jonah Williams all day. Yeah? Yeah, give me the most polished pass protector in the draft. Give me that guy to be the future tackle protect my quarterback for sure right there's there's definitely a big enough gap there number one I, I i mean i like wilkins there at that spot but jonah williams you you bring him in you don't have to coach him up or wait like he's ready plug and play let's go let's do it
1: the reason i struggle with that one a little bit and trade
0: big v and you're gonna get big you're gonna get value back from big
1: v trade him. that's true it's a good point the reason i the reason I, I i framed that one that way is because it's twi- it's trading off to 21 to get a guy who's gonna take of the snaps this season versus trading up to 21 to get a guy who's going to take, you know, Jason Peters took 80% of the snaps. So 20% for Jonah Williams. And so it's trading up the same amount to get to the same pick for half as many snaps.
0: Don't care. Yeah. Literally don't care if it's Jonah Williams (laughs) because you've answered. You've answered a year early and there's your emergency plan with Peters. So I am not counting on to even get 80% of the snaps this year. Another year, another older, that really, really concerns me. It's not like he's a 30-year-old that's going through the same thing. He's just getting progressively older. And I love Peters, but give me Bodyguard 2.0, Jonah Williams, one of the smartest players in the draft, one of the best prepped players in the draft. Pair him with Stoutland? Goodness. That's going to be a doggone good football player.
1: No, I hear you. All right. And now, last but not least, I have- Do
0: you? Do you hear me? Do you agree? Would you do the same?
1: I mean, like, gun to my head, neither. (laughs) Just stay. You're coward. coward. But, uh, no, I mean, I would, I have my difference between Jonah and Wilkins on my board is much larger than your difference. I knew that because I've seen your board previously, as we discussed. Like, you know, I have yeah. Jonah at 11. I have Wilkins at 26. They ain't even close for me. That's Jonah every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it'd be more challenging for you, but you are also correct. So well done. Any other scenarios? Yeah. Last one. Yeah. No, no trades. This is just the first three picks for the Eagles. I, 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 I have one situation all skills. Now the other situation is all trenches. And so I think you know 20, where I'm going to go. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 scenario A, Nasir Adderley at 25, Debo Samuel at 53, and Daryl Henderson at 57. Uh, scenario B, Cody Ford at 25, uh, Bama Edge Christian Miller at 53, Arizona State defensive tackle Ronell Wren at 57.
0: Oh, man, you're going to make me reach on Wren for the rest of it, but nah, I don't that, care. I a, a reach
1: on Wren, man. Come on. You would take that's right
0: For open. for for my board it is. <gasps> like I I'm okay with Ren. I'm not that high on him. I think that's a bit of a reach for where I'm at. But the value you get from Cody Ford at twenty five and the value you get for Christian Miller, I I'm gonna have to go with that. At more premium positions, All I'll right. go with that. Change Ford to Dillard. Change Ford to Dillard. <sighs>
1: Yeah, want to make it a little harder on you. want to make it a little harder. You don't. you're saying goodbye to Nasir, saying goodbye to Debo that easy. I got to make it a little harder on you.
0: Now, now, here's the interesting thing, right? Dillard is a a top 20 player for me. And I just talked with Brandon Thorne Great for dude. the BGN draft special number two. And we talked about Dillard. And we said he's going to need a situation with an offensive line coach that has a history of developing players. Stoutland, of course. Long Long history in college of developing players. That's one of his strengths. So that fit makes a ton of sense for me for Dillard, and I feel a lot better. About Dillard, if he goes to a situation like that, so that part is interesting. But yeah, give me Adderley, give me Debo, give me. <laughs> oh yeah, give me. See, a lot, yeah, a yeah, little yeah. less yeah.
1: confident once Cody Ford left the equation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have him so much higher than Dillard, and uh, Debo was higher for me than Miller at the edge position. What was the third one that you Darrell Henderson? I mean, give give me a, a playmaking running back as well, mm-hmm. which is nice over Renell Wren. I'll yep. take that.
1: I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the same thing I did last year on this time, by the way, which I'm slowly talking myself into the fact that the Eagles aren't going to take a running back at all. They did the exact same thing last year. And did they take a running back? No,
0: they did not. Like, I, it wouldn't shock me. And you know, if they just added some more, like, that's that's just kind of what they do. And with the such low number of valuable running backs that I really see like making a meaningful contribution. Like there are fun fits and there are fun compliments and all that stuff, but this this class doesn't have a complete back. It's got uh, Josh Jacobs. There was about it for uh,
1: Peter King said that the Eagles are interested in Josh Jacobs in the twenty four to twenty seven range and I would just like to say, I'd I like to say that fact, and I'd like to say another fact, and you can choose whether or not they're related, okay? So, fact one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter King said that the Eagles are interested in Josh Jacobs in the 24-27 range, along with like the Colts and the Texans. Uh, fact two, Peter King got two picks correct in his mock draft last year. Yeah. I got seven.
0: So, we should be deferring to you, Benjamin Solo. <laughs> that, 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 was, that, was, over... that was
1: not supposed to be the no, takeaway that... here. That was not supposed to be the takeaway.
0: That's what I inferred. You did not, you did not imply it, but I'm taking it to that level. Because I, I see exactly what you're saying. The, the draft is an entirely different beast. Of course, I mean, teams are going to like multiple players. That's just kind of how this thing works. I like a lot of players. I would have interest in freaking Jay Sternberger if he fell to like the fourth round. It didn't.
1: I received so many questions about the Eagles drafting Noah Fant. I can't even tell you. Everybody <laughs> wants Eagles to draft Noah Fant which like it's the wild card in here for it i just know they're not
0: i, I put the mock draft out with no offense as the round one selection for the eagles along with the 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 meme you know let's let's start a dialogue let's open a dialogue right, yeah, yeah. and a lot of people liked it man like it as teams get smaller in their nickel sets the eagles get bigger and bigger and they're just gonna pound the crap out of you with these super you, athletic tight ends you want, you want a ends. big I'm,
1: slot i'll give you a big slot i'll
0: give you the biggest no, I'm slot fat, in the world. my good man but yeah a big body like that man it, it 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 makes sense. I'm just saying, don't rule it out. The NFL draft is decadent and depraved. Ben, that is going to do it for all of our. Thank God, all of our pre-draft shows here on the Kiss and Solak show. We'll have more content coming your way. Ben, one last time before the draft starts, say goodbye to the gentle listeners as you are whisked away to Nashville.
1: Bye. Um, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Solak show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you coming by. If you're looking for more draft content, well, there's nowhere to go besides bleedinggreennation.com. There's literally all the draft content you could ever want. We got an email about it from BLG, May He Forever Reign, and I can promise you there's literally no content that is not there. It's incredible, and the amount of work that that BGN is putting in for the draft for you guys is wild. So uh, if you're looking at this uh, tomorrow, Washington's comes out uh, on the day, Tuesday. I'll be dropping uh, my official final Eagles seven round mock draft, which statistically over the years, I've gotten 0.25 players right over my three year average. And so uh, I will know which left leg the Eagles are selecting. uh, And that's pretty much it for one of the players. Uh, And so go ahead and you find that on Bleeding Green Nation right now. Mike, do you have any other pre-draft content written coming out?
0: The complimentary pieces to the podcast, talking about more offensive tackles, more interior offensive linemen, some edges. I'll be talking about with John Owning. He's going to be on a uh, BGN draft special here soon. Also, some wide receiver content. I'm going to talk with uh, your coworker, Brad Kelly, about Uh, the wide receiver position.
1: Right, and so we'll yeah. have a lot of positional previews, uh, which obviously you can find the podcast at the site or on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. Also, speaking on whatever app you listen to your podcasts, go ahead and leave a rating and a review and subscription. You'll notice that our one-star ratings have gone down from a mighty four to a feeble three because one of them was spam. So, <laughs> you, and that's 25% <laughs> of our one-star ratings gone.
0: 855-star ratings, son. Right, which, which was Get really
1: – Right, it was putting a real dent in our thousand – ratings those four one stars were dragging us down so we had to something yeah. done about it
0: 99 percent approval rating
1: in this economy in this economy michael and so yeah uh leave a rating <laughs> leave a review leave a subscription if you liked the show i've been on twitter at benjamin solak that's s-o-l-a-k he's been on twitter at michael kiss nfl that's k-i-s-t the draft is this weekend baby and it's a good time to be alive
0: we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly Come